Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from CBS Radio Studios in New York City, it's the DA Show with your host, Damon Amendolara, featuring Pat Boyle and the musical sounds of the Zap Zap Orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's DA. And a happy Friday to you, everybody. It's September the 15th, 2023. Glad you're with us. Coming up in 20 minutes, Mike Lombardi joins us, former NFL executive, now the host of the GM Shuffle podcast. Last night, Eagles and Vikings. The Eagles survived to move to 2-0. and They have not yet played their best football, but they're winners, and you'd rather be learning lessons and getting better after 2-0 and than 0-2. And... That Birds team is really good offensively at wide receiver and really good on the ground. They ran for more than 200 yards last night. DeAndre Swift had 175. And in the second quarter, when they trailed 7-3, they went on a 75-yard march that featured basically entirely running and shoved it right down the Vikings' throats. And I think that should be the recipe for the Eagles until they figure out Jalen Hurts and the aerial attack. He had the one bomb to Devontae Smith last night, but overall, it's a little tough for them to move it through the air. They can move people out of the way. Their offensive line's a bunch of beasts. They have good running backs, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift. What the Eagles need to do is be boring and patient at the moment until Hurts clicks into this passing attack. And I mentioned this yesterday. I think after giving him the big contract extension, they want to keep him upright. They don't want him to take a lot of pounding as a running quarterback. Certainly early, they want him to be able to start to grow into more of a a pure passer. And he's always going to be mobile, so you got to allow him to do that. But I think they're going to try to, to kind of start to morph that offense a little bit. And... There's going to be some rocky moments. Last night, I don't think the final score was indicative of that game. Once the Justin Jefferson fumble went out of the end zone, touchback at the end of the second quarter, it was really an Eagles lead that should have been even more. It was 20 to 7. It could have been 23 to 7, 27 to 7. Ultimately, it got to. 
it might as well have been a 34-10 game. And the Vikings made it interesting late, but that game was out of hand midway through the third. So you're going to look at the score. You're going to look at Kirk Cousins' stats and say, wow, another good game from Cousins. It was so much of that was when the game was out of out of hand. So much of it that it's very hard for me not to pull away from last night. Eagles are much better. They're not hitting on all cylinders. They're still winning football games. And that is an indicator that they're really good. They're elite. When you play last week against the Patriots was a C-plus effort. Last night might have been a B-minus, a B. You know, when you're still winning games and you're doing your Bs and your Cs, you're a damn good football team. And I, I, I can't shake that they're going to be one of the final teams standing in the NFC this season. In the AFC, last year we had an AFC divisional round playoff matchup between the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Jaguars coming off that big comeback win over the Chargers, went to Arrowhead, and were in that game. Although, remember, it was the game in which Patrick Mahomes got injured. And that seemed to change the entire trajectory of that game the Chiefs kind of couldn't quite pull away we all wondered is this it for Mahomes of course he came back played an AFC championship game played Super Bowl was never 100% but won a ring anyway and who knows maybe down the road we're going to look at that Super Bowl run as a Jordan flu type of run where he really wasn't ever 100% and yet still won a championship well this weekend does it get much easier after week one against the Lions for the Kansas City Chiefs as the Chiefs will travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars, who are 1-0 and as well. In this game, the Chiefs are a slight favorite on the road, about three and a half points, three, three and a half points. Here's the two coaches. They've got strong offense. They've got a strong defense, good special teams. They've got good team speed. Again, it's really the same guys that we, we played against uh, last year for the most part. Get another opportunity to play these guys, obviously, didn't have a lot of success last year. Uh, played them twice and didn't win either of those games. So, But it's a new year. We, we both got different teams. It's a new season, all those things. So there's a diff, different set of challenges. So correction that that was Andy Reid and then Trevor Lawrence, not Doug Peterson. Funny to hear Andy Reid say, hey, basically it's the same team we're going up against. Trevor Lawrence going, these are different teams. The Jaguars may run into, and I think they will, times this year, where they're not quite ready to ascend to one of the two or three best teams of the AFC. I think they will benefit from being in that division. They should beat the Colts twice. They should beat the Texans twice. Maybe you split with the Titans and you're 5-1 and one of the division. But they're really talented. And week one suggested the Jaguars are ready to take a step. They were pretty clearly better than the Colts last week. And they should be. Trevor Lawrence has now become a guy you can count on to make big plays and smart throws and good decisions versus wondering if it will happen or when it will happen. And that was kind of the the worry about him early, but... That was the Urban Meyer year. And I think people put too much expectations on that young man too early. And I never quite understood it. Remember going into that draft, there were questions about whether Trevor Lawrence was really a franchise QB in the NFL, whether he loved football. Remember those silly comments? And 
Now, I said it at the time, you can't not love football and been as successful as he was in college. This is a guy that had a huge arm. He could run the football. He was mobile. He was a winner. Teammates loved him. He stayed grounded. He was a hard worker. Wherever he was going to go in the NFL, he was going to bring all those attributes to them. And it wasn't great immediately out of the box because people are impatient, but also he was hounded by Urban Meyer. And we're talking about historical comps. What happens if Trevor Lawrence ends up going down in history as, you know, one of this generation's great quarterbacks and his only awful season was under Urban Meyer? That the only thing that could have hindered his greatness was how pathetic Urban Meyer was. That certainly is in play. This Jaguars team is loaded offensively. They're learning how to win. They're learning how to play their best selves, and they get the Chiefs at home on Sunday. This could be your AFC Championship game preview. It absolutely could be. Now, it would mean the Jaguars would have to navigate the Bills or the Bengals or both to get there. I think the Bengals are still going to be very good despite what we saw. I think the Bills are going to be pretty good this year despite what we saw. And who knows who else comes out of the AFC? Maybe the Dolphins. Maybe the Chargers. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ground to be covered if you're the Jaguars before we put them in the AFC Championship game. But I think what we will see on Sunday, I think we'll see a Jaguar squad that does not get pounded by the Chiefs. I think this is a close game. I could see the Jaguars winning it. It's hard to imagine the Chiefs going to 0-2, but I don't think there's a huge separation right now between these two teams. I think the Chiefs are figuring things out. They've got to figure out who their number one wide receiver is. And Kelsey obviously being lost in week number one put the spotlight on it. They've got to get Chris Jones back in uniform. They have that this week. But for the Chiefs to truly be the Chiefs, the offense is going to go through some permutations. They're going to figure things out. They're going to try to work things in. And it means there's going to be some clunkiness early in this season. I could see this being a game on the road for the Chiefs where the Chiefs do not run away and hide. They do not pull away. And it ends up being a 27-26 win by the Chiefs or a a 31-30 win by the Chiefs. And like, The Jaguars are always there, always there. There's a chance to win to the end, but the Chiefs make one big play or something like that. And, you know, the Jaguars hold a late lead and and a big play breaks from a Holmes and company. There's going to be something like that where you go, wow, they're they're pretty close. And the Jaguars aren't close to winning a Super Bowl the same way the Chiefs are, but where they are right now, week two of the season, and it being on the road in Jacksonville, I think you will see a pretty close game. I think the Jaguars are going to acquit themselves very well in this game. And I think you will see Trevor Lawrence trying to to push himself into the conversation. I, I don't know if he's built in the way of the ego that he needs to be mentioned there, but I, I think he, he likes challenges. I think he looks at Mahomes, as they all do, as the guy that we're all chasing now. And the matchups against him, you really want to perform well. And I think he's got that in him. So I don't think it's going to be the AFC Championship game. I think the Bengals are going to be there. I still like the Bengals to come out of the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. But it wouldn't surprise me if the combination of Chiefs, Bills, 
Bengals, Jaguars are the four teams over the next five years that are some permutation of being in the AFC Championship game battling for, for going to the Super Bowl. 855-212-4CBS, the phone number, or on Twitter, DA on CBS. From Mraz's Fat GPT, Football Food of the Week, Fake Mraz, AI Mraz, being Krabby Chip Dip. What was it? Krabby Chili Crunch? Krabby Chili Crunch. Krabby Chili Crunch. Dixie Landan adds, the Photoshop Mraz is fantastic, but he does need to be shirtless. And backwards, Brian says, well, he doesn't need to be. It just would make it more realistic. And ChatGPT will learn this. FatGPT will learn that when it creates the monster known as Mraz and it creates an image of him that traditionally he is not wearing a shirt and most of his clothes. Yeah. And I and I going back to before, I think, you know, we we're gonna call him AI Mraz the Baconator, and then we quickly remember that that is probably trademarked by Wendy's. Probably. So I think we went with Mrazinator. I don't think that was it either. No? No. There was something, if it wasn't, it was something about the Terminator, but it wasn't Mrazinator. If you can bring that back to last Friday, D-Aliens, and remind me what we nicknamed AI Mraz. Baconator was one of the suggestions, but then we, we... Yeah, said it was trademarked. Earn tweets in, DA, quit dissing Skyline Chili. If you're not from Cincinnati or have never tried it, quit crapping on it. Dude, I have had it. And it's really not good. And I hate to go along with the crowd that of are non-regional people from the area and don't like it. But look, my wife went to Kentucky, so I've been to UK a thousand times. We always fly into CVG. And we drive because the flights from New York to Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky is always way more frequent uh, than trying to fly into Lexington. So we fly into Cincinnati and we drive. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, let's stop for Skyline. I got to stop for Skyline. I got to try Skyline. And the first time I had it, I'm like, this is not enjoyable. And I really love eating and I love pasta. I'm an amendolara and I love chili and uh, there's nothing redeeming about it. The pasta is not great. The chili's not great. The cheese isn't great. It's just average of all three. Now, if you gave me really good pasta and really good chili and put the chili on top of the pasta and you put really good cheese on it, I'd be all in. It's just none of those things. And so I've tried it multiple times. It's been at events that have been catered. I mean, look, I'm down there quite a bit. And uh, I hate to say it, but it's just, it's it's very lackluster. Damn. Just not enough spice, not enough kick. There's just no f- flavor to it. Very bland. Yeah, all right, Pete. Take fast food spaghetti. Okay. Mm. Okay, as a start, you're starting with that. Yeah. Now take fast food chili, like Ooh. a Wendy's chili, but not spicy. More meat than a Wendy's chili. Okay. It's more meat-based, more meat-forward, but not spicy. Dump it on that fast food uh, spaghetti, and now add... A lesser quality cheddar cheese shred than Taco Bell. Add that on wow. top. And that's just that it, it's it in a bowl. That is that is a resounding indictment. Does not sound very appetizing, does it? No. Man. Now, I eat incredibly well when we go down to that area. When we go down to southern Ohio, Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, Lexington, uh, we always have amazing dinners. 
stops uh, along the road. I mean, barbecue we've had, um, burgers, steaks, chicken. I mean, we have a place that we go to. I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but like it's a southern type of cooking. It's comfort food. It's like everything I've ever had there is to die for. It's in like an old mill. It's like amazing. There's amazing food in the area. Skyline Chili ain't it. Ain't it. Ain't it. It just ain't it. You ain't him. And I would be honest, you know, because I unfortunately like fast food. It is probably my biggest weakness is that if I really were left to my own devices and not worried about age, cholesterol, calories, diabetes, diabetes, looking like a fat lard for my wife, looking like a fat lard on camera. If I wasn't worried about all these things, I would stop every day on my way home from work and eat fast food if I just didn't care. I totally would. So it's not that. I mean, I'm, but it's just Skyline Chili ain't it. It's too bad, too. That's, yeah, that's a shame because apparently a lot of folks there like to hang their hat on it. Is it more, that's always wonder, is it just like a territorial thing? Yeah, like, this so. is our thing, even though deep down they probably know it stinks. Well, and it's, if you grow up on something, there's a nostalgia about it. I'm a victim of this all of the time. Pizza Look, Hut. I've, yeah, I've gone to battle for Pizza Hut, <laughs> knowingly, you know, that the pizza itself is the thing that you go for. It's everything else. So I think that's a big part of it. And anybody who's honest in Cincinnati will tell you there's a million better things to eat in the area than Skyline. But it's, you know, it fills a, it fills a need, I suppose, for fast, non-traditional fast food. When we come back on the show, Mike Lombardi, the GM Shuffle, former NFL executive next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Grab a surge protector. You're about to be zapped. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. We appreciate you being with us, everybody. Coming up on Sunday, Sunday morning football. We'll break down Saturday's college football action, preview Sunday's NFL Week 2, and Lomas Brown is our featured guest. He was a Detroit Lions great offensive lineman back in the 90s and 2000s, and he's a member of their all-75th anniversary team. He's now a member of their broadcast team. The Lions have a lot of juice following that victory on Thursday against the Chiefs. So we'll speak to him as our featured guest coming up Sunday morning football, 10 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Pacific on all of these same CBS Sports Radio stations. Our next guest, former NFL executive. He is now the host of the GM Shuffle podcast and also an author as well of Football Done Right and Gridiron Genius. Joining us this morning on the program is Michael Lombardi. Mike, good morning. Good morning, D.A. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. What's your assessment of the Jets going into battle moving forward with Zach Wilson instead of having signed a veteran QB this week? Well, I mean, look, I think it's the only plan of action they can take. I I kin it to uh, when Apollo 13 was stuck up in space and the astronauts uh, were all down in Houston and they – we're in a conference room on this long table and they took this cardboard box and they threw all the stuff on the table and they said, we have to make this into that using nothing but this. That's their challenge. I mean, no one's on the street right now or out there that's going to help the Jets uh, play effectively or be a, 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 a team other than getting Zach Wilson to play at a high level. Look, I know he didn't play well last year, but last year's last year. They've got to change the offense around them to make sure that he doesn't hurt them but they can still win football games as they've proven Monday night with the ability to play great defense and turn the ball over and win the kicking game. So it's not hopeless. Uh, I think to me, there's no magic wand. There's no one out there that's going to come in there and really change the fade. I mean, look, it, this has happened before. Ben Roethlisberger came in for Tommy Maddox. They went to the Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler took over for Phil Sims and he got him to the Super Bowl. So you got to get the backup to play well, and that's the challenge for Robert Sala, Nathaniel Hackett, and the Jets staff. Mike Lombardi joins us, and he's the author of a new book entitled Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL. Let's use those examples that you mentioned, Roethlisberger, before that, Jeff Hostetler. Is it still a league where a great defense can carry a pedestrian quarterback like the Jets would need this year to the playoffs and beyond? Uh, You know, you're going to have to throw the ball effectively to win in the National Football League. I don't think anybody would would, would buy that. I mean, Trent Dilfer for the Ravens, as great as they were on defense, he still made throws in the passing game, and they had an elite run game with a really good offensive line. So it, it is. I mean, I think to me, can they become respectable? Yes. But look, let's go back to San Francisco. One of the reasons they have Nick Bosa is in the third game of the year against Minnesota, they lost Jimmy Garoppolo. And as good as they were on defense, they they fell apart and they end up with Nick Bosa as the second pick overall in the draft. It's hard. The margin of, of error in the NFL is so small, so small. We saw it last night, you know. I mean, here are the Eagles. They're the Super Bowl team, and they're struggling on defense, but they turn, they, they've been able to get – five fumbles in two games and, and been able to turn the ball over six times. And even though their offense isn't operating at the highest level, they still found a way to win the game. 
Do you think that Dak is the singular weak link of the Cowboys going to a Super Bowl? No, I don't. I, I really don't. I think I think they have to manage Dak. I think they have to manage their team. I think what you saw Sunday against the the Giants was the right approach. You know, they didn't try to force the offense. They McCarthy wasn't looking to win the stat chart. He was looking to win the game. And once he got up sixteen to nothing, he knew that the clock was his opponent, not the New York Football Giants. So he managed the game correctly, and they've got a, every quarterback in the NFL. Da has to be managed, other than maybe Mahomes. And manages might be the wrong word because it has a negative connotation to it. But every quarterback has to be able to play within the system that's effective for their team, and that's what the Jets have to find for Zach Wilson, and that's what the, the Cowboys, I think, have found for. For, for Dak Prescott. I think there's no doubt that if they can run the ball, manage him, not let him have to throw it 45 times a game, I think they could be really successful. For those that had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, was week one a real concern or a blip on the radar of a really good team? Uh, well, look, we've known this for the past two years. The Bengals have been five and four after nine games. And two years ago, they went to the Super Bowl, and there are a couple – they're a bad, illegal, a false start penalty away from maybe winning the game. And last year they had a penalty on the unnecessary roughness uh, to lose the conference championship game. So this is a team that has always improved as the year went along, and I expect that to be the same. I think the team they played on Sunday, to not to minimize that win that Cleveland had, is really good. And I think Jim Schwartz, the defense coordinator of the Browns, has done a great job. That defense played at a very high level. Now, it's not going to – you know, play that well against every NFL team because it was hard. The rain had an impact on the game. But the Browns are for real. And, you know, this will be a great test for them in Pittsburgh this week because they're playing good, and if they can run the football effectively and balance and control the game, uh, and Watson plays just to the even to a level that he has to, you know, uh, then I think he's got a great chance. NFL analyst, former NFL executive Mike Lombardi joins us here on the show, author of the new book, Football Done Right. Let's drill down on that. You know the Browns organization well. If Deshaun Watson plays well, and he did in week number one, what stops the Browns from being an elite team in the AFC? I don't think anything. They're really good. They're good. They have a great offensive line. Now, they lose their right tackle, Conklin, but Jones, their fourth-round pick or third-round pick from Ohio State, comes in and plays really well. Their offensive line is one of the best lines in football. Their defensive line is one of the best defensive lines in football. They can rush the passer. They have all number one picks in their secondary. I mean, this is a really good team. And this is a team that, you know, knows they're good. That's why they cut their kicker, Cade York, because they couldn't risk him being inconsistent, even though they picked him in the fourth round. So they have a really good team. Amari Cooper scored 12 touchdowns for him last year. Elijah Moore gives them a good player in the slot. And Joe Kuz, a very good tight end. They have everything they need. Watson can't beat them. Watson just has to be – I don't even think Watson has to be the same player he was in Houston. He's got to be a good player for him. What did you make of Josh Allen's Monday night, not only on the field, but afterwards when he was obviously frustrated with himself and admitted same bleep, different year, almost as though he can't control himself. He can't help himself but throw into triple coverage. What'd you make from yeah. that? I think he puts too much pressure on himself. I, I don't think they, you know, if you said to yourself, what's their offense? And the first thing you would say is Josh Allen running around and making plays. That's not an offense. 
And so there, there, there comes good and there comes bad. I mean, let's face it, he's thrown six interceptions in the last three games, counting the two playoff games. And he tries to win the game. He tries to force himself to win the game. And I think ultimately the problems they have in terms of being physical up front in their offensive line hurts them. They need to get to a game where they can really control the, the action up front, and the Jets did that. And he tried to – I mean, he could have run for a first down on the first interception, and he chose to throw the ball with the triple coverage. I, I don't know why that happens, but it's been happening much too, much too often for Josh, and he's got to play – he's got to tone it down a little bit and let some of his teammates help him. As somebody who loved the history of the league, I love your new book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. You have a reimagining of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, amongst other things. What's the biggest historical misconception of the average fan in the NFL? I think that the game today is better than the game from yesterday and that the game from yesterday doesn't influence the game today. And I think that's a huge misconception, you know, and I think that the game yesterday really still has an influence. Last night we watched the Eagle offense, which wasn't very good, but they're running the single win concepts with a different type of passing game. And so a lot of the stuff that has happened in the past can come back uh, in the future. And I think the fans need to understand and appreciate the history more. We don't do a great job of honoring our former coaches who are great. Paul Brown being the guy that developed the, the whole operating system for coaching and, you know, and, and we don't honor him as the, as a great coach or call the coach of the year award, the Paul Brown award. And we kind of have left our history alone. And I think it's really important. We get it back. It's a great point. And to that point, it's almost like everything that happened to the NFL prior to Super Bowl one doesn't exist as yeah. though pre 1967. It's like, Oh, there was, there, there was football. There was an NFL it is kind of yeah. crazy how everything is so hyper-focused on the last 20 years of the NFL, I would say. What do you think? Yeah, they don't even count some of the titles. I mean, they say Vince Lombardi won two Super Bowls. He won five championships, you know. So, you know, they don't give coaches credit for uh, Paul Brown won seven titles. He didn't win a Super Bowl, but, you know, he won seven titles. Right. He just didn't call it a Super Bowl. You know, so I think there's a little bit of a – and then this whole notion that guys from yesterday couldn't play today. Look, we have great, better nutrition. We have better training, all those things. But those players could play today. I mean, Dick Buckus could play really well today. And no, no one's no going to convince me otherwise. Gail Sayers, Dick Butkus, uh, Jim Brown, Johnny Unitas. I mean, these guys would be superstars today, wouldn't they? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, hey, look, every time DA, every time Johnny Unitas got up after throwing a pass, he spit out blood. Today he would have been protected. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, nobody would have been able to get near him. Right, right, exactly right. This book is really cool. I know there's a lot of listeners that are like me, love the history of the NFL. Football done right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Right now available on Amazon. Just came out a couple of days ago. So check it out right now on Amazon, other places that you get your books as well. Mike Lombardi joining us here on the program, also the host of the GM Shuffle podcast. Mike, great stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Michael Lombardi joining us this morning on the program. Moving along, more on the NFL weekend. Standing by with our headlines, Andrew Bogish. DA, they were better than Sunday, but still not great. But that's just fine with the Eagles QB Jalen Hurts. We strive for progress, not perfection. And obviously, we all have a standard for ourselves. Obviously, um, 
We demand the most of ourselves because of everything that we go through together, all the work that we put in together, and all of those things. Um, we're just going to continue to keep chipping away. Hurts and his Eagles are 2-0 and after a 34-28 decision over the Vikings on Thursday Night Football. He threw for a score, ran for two others, his team led by as many as 20, but again, only one by six even though Minnesota coughed the ball up four times, the Eagles did run for 259 yards, including 175 from DeAndre Swift. That's good. But prime cameras did catch A.J. Brown upset with Hurts as the fourth quarter was beginning. I think um, everybody wants to make plays and everybody wants to contribute. Um, I have no worry about him. You know, and he's, he's, a, he's a great player, great teammate, great friend. And, um, we'll all do any, anything and everything with winning in mind. Dude, I've never seen anybody cry more about not getting the ball in a, for the most part, blowout slash comfortable win. Yeah, that's a weird thing that's happening with Elijah the Eagles too. about complaining about not not getting the football with a two and zero start. He did it again. He did it last year too, and in a win that they had, like a big win. I forget which game it was specifically, but dude, and Sirianni's just, ask, answering questions about it. Just shut the hell up. Yeah, you're two and zero. Brown was targeted six times, four catches, 29 yards. Did have a touchdown catch negated by a penalty. Looking ahead to Sunday, Giants tight end Darren Waller says he'll be out there against the Cardinals despite a nagging hamstring issue. Waller had only three catches against the Cowboys Sunday night. And the Packers practiced yesterday without running back Aaron Jones and wideout Christian Watson. Both have hamstring issues. Jones got hurt against the Bears. Watson did not play. Uh, what did you call it now, our 1DA, the curse of Bambi? Well, it's hurting the Red Sox. Curse once of the Bambino. Oh, okay. Uh, it's about to be five. That was Babe Ruth's nickname. Right. The guy from the Sandlot. Babe Ruth was one of the greatest athletes ever. Well, the greatest baseball player ever. I don't know if he was a great athlete. He smashed hot dogs and chased a lot of skirt. Uh, it's about to be five <laughs> years. Yes. Since their got, last got Boyle's attention with that. <laughs> Five years since the last world title in Boston. It could be their third last place finish in four seasons. So Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom was let go yesterday. The team then played two with the Yankees, winning five nothing, losing eight five. Those two rivals both seventy four and seventy three. My only question there on Heim Bloom, they mm. weren't supposed to be very good this year. And so they they lived up to the expectation. And he still gets fired. Yeah, and like Jaron Duran can play, Tristan Casas can play at first base. They've got some young. So, and they did give him credit yesterday for revamping a bad farm system. But they, when push comes to shove, they got nothing from Mookie Betts. He was told to trade Mookie Betts, made a Betts trade, and got really nothing. That he should have been fired right then and there. No, but they told him he knew he knew he had to do that when he signed on. Yeah. To the job, Mookie didn't want to stay. Right. He had so he just picked the wrong place to trade him, and th- I guess thinking that Alex Verdugo was going to become a star, and that hasn't been the case. So like you can only hold that against him so much because it wasn't his decision. He was told that was going to have to happen, and then he just didn't find a better deal. Hmm. And they've never fully bounced back from that. Obviously, that's wouldn't your it, fault for trading for Alex Verdugo. Wouldn't it be so interesting if the city of Boston, who couldn't do anything wrong for twenty years? just keeps getting it wrong on everything. Like the yeah. Patriots are constantly like a 9-8 and eight team. The Red Sox can't find the right GM, make bad trades. The Bruins, that whole core that won the Stanley Cup in 2011, basically gone. Well, they just had the best regular season ever and then lost in round one. Collapsed, right? And then the Celtics keep knocking on the door, but they're not quite good enough to win a championship. Stupid Brad Stevens. And then Ime Adoka, you know, gets yeah. jammed up and... 
People don't know if Joe Missoula is the right guy now. It's it's like all the things that for 20 years always went right for Boston. It would be interesting if so dramatically the flip side started happening for the next 20 or so. Good. Good. I'm glad. They want enough. They want enough for an entire lifetime. Yeah. So see you later. And yep. again, on Alex Verdugo, he looks like he drinks Monster and Huff's glue. So like, <laughs> <laughs> when you made that trade, like that's an easy trade to not make. Like I swear I could be a baseball GM at times. You look at Alex Verdugo with the chin strap beard that looks like he wears affliction t-shirts and wants to fight anybody that says anything about him. And you just say, uh, yeah, we're not trading for this guy. There was a pitcher in that trade, too, that became absolutely nothing as well. Like, does he, is, I don't even think he's on, in the Red Sox organization anymore. What's that water, that death water or whatever? Liquid that, death? Liquid, liquid, liquid death. death. Yeah. That's what Verdugo chugs. I've got a, I got a thing of those in my apartment. I think Mraz somehow got, like, a sponsorship from them. And I, he was like, here, do you want them? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, one giant turd got sponsored by them for a little bit last year, and he had a few cases of liquid death. Liquid death. Literally just seltzer. <laughs> uh, so the Yankees and Red Sox tied at the bottom of the AL East. At the top, just uh, one game between them, the Orioles and the Rays. They began a four-game set in Baltimore last night, and those Rays got a 4-3 win, so they are just a game behind now. The Astros' lead atop the AL West also shrunk last night. Three balls, one strike to low. Here's the pitch. Swung on and drilled up the middle. It's a base hit. One run is home. Here comes Simeon. There's no play at the plate. A two-run single by Nathaniel Lowe makes it 7-2 to two Rangers. That's from Rangers Radio Texas. A 9-2 win for a four-game sweep in Toronto. They're a half game behind Houston in the division and one game on top of the Mariners for the second AL wildcard. The Jays now trail Seattle by a game and a half. At least the Twins hammer the White Sox in Chicago 10-2, extending their lead on the Guardians atop the Central to eight full games. Uh, you'll be stunned to a news to hear that number 22 Miami beat Bethune-Cookman wow. last night. The 48-7 final makes the Hurricanes 3-0. Whatever and- happened to predictability the mm. hall of fame corner whose name I'm blanking on who was going to be the head coach and then didn't wasn't the head coach where Bethune Cookman wasn't that Bethune Cookman oh I don't know I, I have dementia uh, who is the Ravens going to be hall of fame corner the Ravens? no I think you mean Ed Reed Ed Reed safety no, safety safety sorry oh Ed Reed was going to take wasn't he going to be the head coach of Bethune wasn't he the head coach of Bethune Cookman for like a week Oh, I don't might know. be right. So we've got, I'm 90% sure that I'm remembering this correctly. We've got Eddie George at Tennessee State, right? Tennessee Tech or Tennessee State. And then and we had Dion in that neck of the woods. Yeah, this was back in January. Ed Reed won't be Bethune Cookman coach after the school chose not to ratify his contract. Oh. And I don't remember why. I only remember him being an assistant for Miami. I didn't realize he was trying to be Bethune's cook. Bethune's, Bethune's coach. <laughs> yeah. coach. I mean, he might be Bethune's cook. He's going to be the cook and the coach. He's the coolest dude that ever came through the, the stair hundred the hallways here. He joined us in studio a couple of years ago, and I'm like, of course I was blown away just to have him in studio because I love Ed Reed and his game, and he's a legend and a Hall of Famer. But he came in with that amazing fedora, remember? And he had like, like an, it was in the winter, I think. He had a jacket on and a, a sweater or a scarf. And he was so cool. He had like a salt and pepper beard. And I'm like, I am such a puny little dweeb next to you. I'm just such a twerp. Like, this guy is the coolest guy. 
there's something about like older men of that age group where they're like aging gracefully. And so, you know, they've got wisdom and they're dressing well, they're taking care of themselves. Like he was still in really good shape and you're <laughs> just kind of like, wow. And he also kind of speaks understated. You know, he's not impressed by himself or there was no ego there. Yes, I am getting paid by Snickers, so I'm going to do my job. Oh, that was Ed Reed on the show talking about Snickers. That was over the phone, but we had him in studio as well. And, uh, yeah. I mean, he's so cool he can pimp Snickers. We have a we have a mutual friend, Ed and I, a guy that I know is so really— You guys run the same circles? Yeah, not exactly, <laughs> but a guy that I know is super tight with Ed, like works with his foundation. So I've, I've, I've heard a lot of Ed Reed stories, and he is as cool as they come, apparently as nice as they come. Uh, and that, that day that he was here, my buddy was here with him. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice being Ed Reed, except I guess for the Bethune-Cookman job. Yeah, so basically what I've surmised here in the quick Cliff Notes reading that I've done, uh, remembering what happened, you know, nine months ago. So apparently he was not hired, like, he was hired on principle. And then within, like, two weeks of being there, he made a statement like, I've been here for a week and done more than people have been here for years. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about the broken mentality of the school. Then he did, like, an Instagram video where he basically blasted leadership and that Love his office it. and that his office wasn't clean when he got there Love and then they and then they were like uh yeah you're you're not going to be the coach is it possible that's why that game was on a Thursday night last night that they thought it was a Bethune Cookman Ed Reed game oh they would have moved it by now he would have gotten fired like last week for it to be on that schedule and not moved okay he never had the job there's no way they would have left that there okay they just and again it was on ACC network because it was Miami ranked that was the only, that was your such Thursday a night. random game to have on a Thursday uh, last thing from me for now, members of the Dartmouth men's basketball team, the latest group of college athletes to apply to be a union. Yeah, good team. The school says it respects the players and unions in general, will respond as promptly as possible. These cases do take years to play out. So uh, sit tight and wait on the plight of Dartmouth men's basketball. It's Northwestern basketball. It's Dartmouth basketball. Smart kids. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that are never very good at basketball. John and PA tweets, I'm going to finish the show on my lunch break today at the place next door to my office. But yesterday they had a pulled pork sandwich special with peach cobbler as dessert. I tried them together. Get out of here. So you tried them together. You sent a picture. Flavors are complimentary, but the texture isn't great. Not enough crunch. So is that the pie's fault? Like, is that the, the place's fault? Can you maybe cook the pie a little bit longer to give a little more mm, crunch? Yeah, to the- probably. Yeah, that's a good point, because if the bread around your pulled pork doesn't have some type of stability or structure, it's all just kind of mushy. I ran into this problem last night. Again, my wife made pulled pork. It was delicious. She put it on buns without toasting them, and you need the yeah, you right. need to have the toast to, to further like solidify the yeah. bread or becomes kind of too mushy. You definitely need yes. the, the, distinct, the distinction between the two textures. So maybe you're right, Bugs. Maybe I stumbled into a fat GPT football food that actually was yeah. kind of good. I mean, I've got leftover pulled pork. If I can find some peach pie the next, like, 36 hours, it's happening. Okay. Please share with the class how it goes. Now, you don't yes, send, yes. Send us I'm that. also nervous. Is it Are peaches in season now? I don't want to have a bad peach mm. pie and ruin the experiment. Yeah, I'm sure fall pies. Right? Okay. Pies fall. You know how it goes. Around the farm. When we come back here on the show, what's the Vikings reality at 0-2? DA, CBS Sports Radio. 
Franco. He looks like he drinks Monster and Huff's glue. It's D.A. on CBS Sports Radio. Stream the NFL on Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. What are the Minnesota Vikings going to be this year? The answer? Bad. Bad. And the start to this season underscores why. In both of these games, the offense, which has to carry the Vikings this year because their defense is nothing to write home about, had long stretches of ineffectiveness. Most of last week's game against the Buccaneers, the Vikings offense was just spinning its wheels. Just could knock it out of neutral. And last night, fumble after fumble after fumble. Now, one came on the big return. Special teams can't blame that on the offense. Justin Jefferson stretching out for the end zone. You can't kill him on something like that. I mean, he's just, he's got a nose for the end zone. It happens. But there was sloppy play by the Vikings combined with ineffective drives that led to nowhere. And when you turn around, you're going to hear the calling card of how good Kirk Cousins' stats have been. Last night, again, a very effective night. You're going to look at that stat line and say 31 of 44 for 364 and four touchdowns. Man, he's been great the first two weeks of the season. The guy has 700 yards passing, six touchdowns. 70% completion percentage. And yet, you know, and I know, these are empty calories. They do not tell you the story of this game. When the game was still a game, the Vikings offense was in neutral. It was a 27-7 game, and then they got to go into high octane, you know, throw it down the field every, you know, every throw, and Eagles going to prevent. Last week against the Buccaneers, I mean, the Buccaneers are not going to be good this year. At home, it just is so hard to get it going. And I, I just think they lack an edge, a sharpness, uh, an urgency. Jefferson's great. Addison might end up being a really smart draft pick. You know, they, they've got Alexander Madison and an offensive-minded uh, head coach and, a, you know, a, a quarterback that's fine. But it's going to be empty calories this season, and they don't have a great defense. So you're going to see a Vikings team that regresses to the mean, and we've seen that now in 0-2. This is a six-win Vikings team this year, a six-win, seven-win you know they're talented enough to to fall into a couple of wins. They won't be a completely they won't be a complete train wreck. But the first two weeks are indicative to me of who this team is going to be. You will see box scores and fantasy numbers and stats in your props that'll look good, and they will be all empty calories because the Vikings will not be a good football team. Will not win a lot of games. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.